0: Hey, everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then some. I'm a registered nurse with decades of labor and delivery work under my belt. I've worked in the NICU, women's and reproductive health, and I've been at the bedside for literally thousands of births. I've also had four kids myself and raised them all to almost adulthood. No easy feat in this world of ours, right? I wrote the books Common Sense Pregnancy and the brand new one, Mom's S.O.S. or Mom's Side of the Story, which is available only on my website, jeanfaulkner.com. In Common Sense Pregnancy, I give you all the inside scoop on how to navigate a healthy pregnancy for mom and baby, not just for baby. In Mom's S.O.S., I provide a way for you to plan, journal, and tell your own pregnancy story. It's my way of helping you change the narrative of your own motherhood story to one that centers on you, not just on your baby. I saw a meme today that said something like, motherhood is when your life becomes the frame instead of the picture. That's probably not the exact quote, but it resonated with me. It's a sad statement. And when I went back to find it, I couldn't find it. I scrolled it somewhere yesterday. Anyway, that's the whole reason why I wrote the new book, because I think women need to stay in the picture as the main driving characters in their own lives, not just the frame that centers her pregnancy, birth, and life around her baby. That's what women are supposed to do in you know traditional prenatal care. They're sort of supposed to give themselves away for the health of their baby. And while that all sounds very well and good, because seriously, who doesn't want a healthy baby? We all do. Who wants to give themselves entirely away? Motherhood is a naturally service oriented profession, but that doesn't mean that babies are the ones who require all the focus. What makes more sense is to center our prenatal care on women's needs first, because when her needs are met in the best possible ways, babies' needs are automatically met too. When we focus solely on babies, what we've found is that women are getting left behind and our health and well being are no longer the priority. So, what's that about? So, my idea is that when women are documenting their own care, making their own plans and decisions in consultation with their physicians and midwives, of course, and when they're writing their own stories, we really change the narrative, the culture, and our life stories. Now, babies are so damn cute and compelling, they'll get plenty of attention throughout their own lives. But while they're inside mom and in the earliest days, their story is all about mom's story. So let's tell hers loud and proud. But how do you do it, right? How do you write your own health history, prenatal records? How do you journal your goals, feelings, plans, your needs? How do you plan for something you've never experienced? your birth of this child? Well, I'll show you. I've laid it all out for you in mom's side of the story. So go pick up a copy, um, over on jeanfalkner.com in our shop section or our books section. And let's write your story together, shall we? Okay. What else is going on? I was at a family wedding this weekend where a group of us were talking about what year we live in not the actual year yes we all know it's 2019 thank you very much but what digital year and one guy who was a 50 something contractor said he used to live like it was 1974 landline only no cell service no email voicemail internet broadband he loved it he wasn't accountable for being available all the time and he felt like he could focus on his life in he called them proper chunks his home chunk, his work chunk, his friend chunk, et cetera. There wasn't all this overlap we have now where work emails show up while we're out for coffee with friends or evenings with the family. Um, you know, that those evenings where everybody who is there at the table is in their own corner with their own screens. You know, others in the group agreed these that was, you know, kind of the best of times Obviously the guy had to evolve digitally in order to stay in business, just like all of us. But he learned through the benefit of what he called a minor nervous breakdown that he had to protect his chunks. He actually uh, credited the internet with, you know, having a really bad impact on his marriage and his family life. And he had to learn to detach from connectivity because social media and email and streaming services had taken over his life. He learned over time to disconnect from his online life and reconnect with his real life. But he worried about what nonstop connectivity was doing to his kids. And then we, you know, had a brief conversation. There were a bunch of people there, you know, at the table between, say, 16 and 82. And they talked a little bit about how to live a life that includes the internet, but that centers on relationships and experiences and people and um, your work and things like that. It's not that easy anymore, but everybody agreed that it's really necessary and that increasingly so people are making that the focus. Um, They're realizing that too much time spent online made everybody feel anxious and lonely and unfulfilled. And I think it's interesting that when Apple came out, um, I guess it was just this year, with a way for folks to track and reduce their screen time, everybody was so excited. Finally, an online tool for reducing online time. Um, one girl in the conversation who was, I don't know, 20, maybe said that her generation didn't always know how to fill the time if they weren't, you know, engaging with social media and representing their lives online. It's time consuming, especially if you manage several profiles. It's also a total lesson in letting your ego lead, you know, ego, that small, noisy, clingy version of yourself that makes so much noise in our lives. Most of us learn sooner than later that letting your ego lead is a huge mistake. It always creates a mess and it takes us places no one should go. But what about the kids that we're raising now? These are the kids who will know the internet from birth or before. It'll be natural to them to, you know, live their lives online. But will the anxiety and the loneliness and the the lack of fulfillment be natural for them too? God, I hope not. There was a study that came out in January <clears throat> that said social media use is associated with increased anxiety and depression in depression in adolescents, especially girls. And I know from my own experience that raising kids who feel the pressure to, you know, present a certain online image definitely impacts their mental wellness. We have to teach our children how to live and how to create lives that focus on the realities of their world, but, you know, also on other stuff that really matters, stuff, you know, your relationships, you know what that stuff is, communication skills, the stuff you create and learn and make and play with and shape and love, the real stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today with this week's guests. Chris and Holly Santillo are the authors of Resilience Parenting, Raising Resilient Children, in an area of detachment and dependence. And we'll talk about that right after this break. Okay, we're back and ready to get this week's guests on the line. Um, Holly and Chris Santillo are the authors of Resilience Parenting. Raising Resilient Children in an Area of Detachment and Dependence. It is a debut child-rearing guide that concentrates on fostering good judgment and self-awareness in children. Let's get them on the line. Hey there, Chris and Holly. It's Jeannie. How are you? Hi. so glad to hear you.
1: How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So where are you guys? Where in the world?
1: We're in Boulder, Colorado, where everybody wants to be.
2: It is so beautiful here. Oh, man. (laughs) This is a temporary stop, and um,
0: it's gorgeous. I have not been to Boulder, but I have a brother who lives near there, and he um, tempted me by saying that he was going to take me to lunch in Boulder. Everybody's got to see Boulder. Boulder is gorgeous. You got to see Boulder, and he had plans, and then he didn't take me. I've never seen it.
1: The only reason that you live anywhere other than Boulder right now is because he didn't take you and show you Boulder, right?
0: Well, also, I live in Portland.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Crazy, I take it yeah. all back. Pretty, That's yeah. hardcore. Yeah, good, strong, yeah. Co- stiff competition there. But yeah, yeah. As, as Holly said, we're just here for a little while, and we're continuing our journey across the country bit by bit.
0: Okay. Well, now that I know where you are, let's come up with the answers to the big hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear from both of you, and I'm going to let you guys pick who's first. And the question is, who are you, and what do you do?
1: <laughs> oh shoot! Could someone else answer this? I'll answer that. Okay, Holly's well,
0: for, you, that.
2: No, for you. No, for me. Um, <laughs> I'm a mother of three wonderful boys I am their teacher Um, I'm also a teacher in many other ways most recently a music teacher I lead a children's choir and uh, a women's choir and also a martial arts teacher
0: all right that's a full plate yeah all right Chris your turn who are you and what do you do
1: I'm uh, the father of those same three children that she mentioned, uh, according to all reports. And uh, I'm a martial arts instructor. Um, I have no musical inclination, so I have no parallels where uh, Holly mentioned her musical uh, prowess. Uh, And I am the co-author with Holly, of all people, of uh, the book Resilience Parenting.
0: All right. All right. Between the two of you, you guys are doing some pretty interesting stuff. And you also mentioned to to me um, a little bit earlier Uh, That you're traveling. What are you doing? We're nomadic. We kind of wanted to,
2: well, we wanted to throw everything that we had going for us down the drain for a little bit (laughs) just to shake it up. Um, <laughs> life was
1: just a little too pleasant. Uh, career was a little too satisfying and, uh, friends and family were just too plentiful and, uh, our home life was just too nice. So we decided to, uh, sell it all and leave. Uh, so we're taking a two year sabbatical approximately and, uh, just started a couple weeks ago. So it's all very new, uh, but we can't change our mind because we sold our house. Um, so we can't go back and we're traveling across the country for a couple years, a um, couple of months rather. And then we'll, uh, in August, we'll head over to Asia, into Russia and Mongolia and China, and then kind of probably head South as it starts to get cold. And With that's the purpose
2: about of discovering the world and discovering ourselves. And the, you're taking the kids. Oh yeah.
1: Yes. Our yeah. cryogenic and- freezing chamber is on the front. <laughs> so yes, How absolutely. are
0: they? How they are, are the six,
1: six, eight, and 10, three beautiful young boys.
0: Right. And they're on board? Are they good travelers?
1: Oh, they're perfect travelers. They love
0: it. They love the adventure. I mean, we
2: did get some complaints as we were at 6,000 feet hiking this morning. Like, oh, my muscles getting torn apart. We're like, yep, yeah, yeah. buddy, they are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but we our flight got delayed the other day, and we got to our hotel about 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, and our, our blog, if you don't mind me plugging, our blog is called 5 because we have – backpacks and everybody has to carry their own weights. That's part of the deal. And so I've got a, a six-year-old, and eight-year-old, and 10-year-old with their own backpacks at two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, walking, uh, through the airport to get to, uh, the shuttle to get to the hotel and whatnot. And not a word of complaint, not a tear, not anything, just absolutely yeah. just couldn't be more grateful to these guys for their adventurous spirit and their, and their, uh, good attitudes.
0: Good kids. Good job. Yeah. So, Thanks. yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you got from there to here. I mean, you've, you've, you mentioned quite a few things that you do and in your bio, you know, we talked about quite a few things. You guys have had interesting career paths. I'd like to hear about it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, if you want to go all the way back to the career path, first, I start with the miserable failure tech startup out of college. So that was Mm. kind of a fun uh, first uh, misstep.
2: That's how I knew I really loved him for who he was, not for his money.
1: Oh there? yeah, because I was I was horrendously in debt the day we met, yeah. um, met and for that. quite some time thereafter. But yeah. um, but then uh, I went to my martial arts instructor and I said, "Could I have a job?" and uh, and I've been teaching martial arts ever since. Um, and uh, and that's where we get a lot of our background in in working with children and our understanding of uh, how to best uh, help them evolve and grow and and uh, have the kind of lives that we want them to have.
2: My martial arts story went a little more like. I am never going to do that martial arts thing. That is so lame, lame. <laughs> when I met Chris. <laughs> and then a year later, after he finally stopped pestering me, I said, "All oh, I'm going to try it. And I really liked it. It was just a great synergy of the things that, that I enjoy both learning and, and uh, physicality. And I was like, okay, but just don't ever ask me to like teach it. Okay. That's your thing. <laughs> I'm just going to be a student. And lo and behold, when we moved out to, to Virginia um, my dream of becoming a National Geographic photographer didn't come to fruition. Maybe because I had no credentials for that. I don't know. Um, totally, unreasonable. <laughs> totally unreasonable on their part. You were um, probably
0: really good. They just didn't. know.
2: They <laughs> just didn't. I,
0: <laughs> I I didn't even know, know. if I knew. <laughs> they feel bad about it now.
1: Oh, they feel terrible. Um,
0: yeah.
2: I kicked yeah. the desk job to to teach martial arts, and oh my goodness, that that was just an amazing new world of um, of joy. Uh, like what, what a career it was. And then I said, well, I like this. Like, yes, you win. I like it. Just don't ever make me a sensei. Okay. Cause I could never handle that responsibility. And then of course, lo and behold, I end up running our second school and I loved that as well. Um, martial <laughs> arts has been, it's been uh, a world of surprises and just wonderful.
0: So do you guys see your work as martial arts, arts instructors as kind of integrated with what parents should be teaching their kids at home? Yes. A
1: hundred percent. A hundred percent? hundred and ninety-seven percent. I mean, you know, I, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting what, um, you know, what percentage of what we do in the martial arts studio um, has nothing to do with what people typically think of as martial arts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a certain quantity of punching and kicking that's going on, but the most important things that we're doing when it's being taught well in a good school are teaching about discipline, teaching about respect and teaching about uh, self-awareness, teaching about the pillars that we always go back to learning and service and integrity. And when we're teaching those lessons, you know, those, Those bridge all, you know, all platforms, all venues, you know, whether we're talking about parenting or whether we're talking about martial arts or whether we're talking about a good football coach or a good music teacher or any of these people, you know, are always coming back to this idea of of learning and service integrity. And and that's kind of where the book came from was the realization is the most important things that we're teaching at the studio really don't have anything to do with martial arts as most people uh, think of it and are totally applicable and can be applied by uh, parents in their day-to-day lives.
0: So we're gonna to have to get down to the nitty-gritty on that. Um let, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about those three pillars, learning, integrity, and service. So I guess first of all, the first question is so why did you decide you wanted to write a book about it? What 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 brought you there?
2: Um, Chris has a lot to say. Oh wow. um, and, I don't think and she not only that, that in a good no, way. No, but always a really good way. Okay, good. Um he has a lot to say and a lot of good things to say specifically. Um, mm-hmm. and our audience at our studios can only be so big. So mm-hmm. he was really looking forward to the challenge of, of making it, uh, accessible to others, you know, and, yeah. and beyond the, the martial arts world, we, we tried very hard in the book, not to make this about the martial arts because it's not, it's, it's about parenting. It's about raising, mm-hmm. raising children with great values.
1: Yeah. So this was our, our effort to, uh, to spread our message to a broader audience
0: So I guess, you know, if I back up a little bit, what is it that you are seeing among the kids that you're working with or the teach the? I guess they're not all children, but, you know, young adults and adults as well, that makes you feel like we need to refocus on those three pillars? What are you seeing? Yeah,
2: I'll talk to that. Um, It it seems like that we have a lot of broken relationships come to us, specifically between child and parent. Um, and parents are looking for a way to to help their kids, and, and in the end, it's because they don't really have a way of communicating with them anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a certain connectedness that that many children are missing, um, and it might go beyond the parents, but they have trouble even just connecting with their their peers and their community at large. And and you know we don't spend a lot of time in the book forecasting or, or diagnosing, I guess is a better word, what is causing that. We, we aren't experts in that field. We're just making our observations that um, connections are, are harder for us. Um, so we, we work really hard to develop them.
1: And then the opposite, the other side of that is also the independence, is that uh, some children we're seeing do seem to be very connected, almost, I don't want to say... Um, um, I don't want to say too connected because that's not that's not the right term, but rather they have a very strong connection to their parents, but to the extent that they have failed to develop the, the necessary independence, the ability to interact with the world uh, constructively by okay. themselves. And so the, the book is really built on this idea of um, connectedness and independence and We feel that our collective conscience uh, culture has asserts this false dilemma, this idea that your child can either be independent and uh, lack connection or be connected to their parents and lack independence. And we just say that that's not true, um, that you can and should raise children who are both very connected to you and to their friends and family and the rest of their community, as well as strongly independent and able to act uh, productively by themselves. And and we kind of talk about how we, look at one child who's, you know, weak in one area and how to build that area up and and a child who might be weak in the opposite area and how to build up that area.
0: So you work with kids of all ages and Indeed. you know you you've you've been doing this long enough that you've seen things change over time and I'm wondering, you know, what is the arc of change that you're seeing? Our kids are you seeing a big difference now in the way that kids and parents are relating now than you know when you started doing this?
1: Well, the, I think the the larger arc, and if I can go uh, an arc longer than than on just our careers, but uh, to our lifetimes and uh, and even just uh, to our parents' gener- generation, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that there, there was a very strong you know fifty hundred years ago. There's a very strong um, independence and connection was perhaps a little uh, less emphasized and uh, the 21st century uh, parents on average uh, seem to be very interested in developing a very strong connection with their their children uh, which mm-hmm. I commend of course um, but again I think there's this this uh, mistake this mistaken belief that doing so, uh, needs to either come at the cost, or or to develop uh, at, of independence, or that helping them to develop independence will compromise that uh, that connection. So I, I see a we see an increase in the number of children that are, you know at four or five and six years old hiding behind mom's legs because they can't say hi to a stranger or they're, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old and they can't go, uh, you know, look up a new opportunity. They can't apply for college by themselves. They can't, um, figure out Or they're 22, 23, 24 years old, and they can't figure out how to go get a job and live on their own. And Mm -hmm. they, they're very connected. Mom and dad love them to death and vice versa. And that of course is wonderful. Um, but they just aren't, they aren't living in the world the way they should and could. So as far as the but,
2: arc goes, I, I do think you know I'm thinking back to when you were uh, at the studio in your late teens, and already we were seeing the, the children who were having trouble moving into the adult world. So I think the arc does extend back farther than our range of teaching. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors at play for you know why this generation of young adults and teenagers are living life so differently than you know previous generations did. And I think a lot of it is, you know, where and how we earn our livings. It's a hard, it's a tough economy if you're not Mm -hmm. wired for certain career paths. And, you know, if you're an artist or a creative or, you know, anyone who wants an education and needs one to get a job, it's tough. And kids are graduating and entering this job force. You know, at the same time, I don't know how any 23-year-old... Could unless they were working in a really high-paying job, which there aren't that many, could afford an apartment in Portland? Mm-hmm. Is I don't that know right? How they could do it. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're packing them in three and four kids to a place, mm-hmm. and you know that's okay when you're twenty-three, 23 24 but when you're getting on in life, you ought to be able to afford to have your own space. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's hard. I think it's hard for kids.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, and they yeah. and the flip side of that is that the percentage of the population that can support their kids uh, in their twenties is greater than it used to be. You know, when my uh, mm-hmm. when my father turned eighteen, you know, it was like, All right, out you go and close the door behind you because yeah. it's hard, yeah. you know, it's hard enough to support a child. There's no way I'm supporting an adult. And um and so I think it's very easy for parents to be like, "Oh, well, things are tough. Why don't you come stay with me?" And and obviously that is sometimes the right answer, but it mm-hmm. also opens this door to this idea of like, "Well, you don't really have to grow up because you're 22 and mom and dad will still take care of you." And and, and I think that that's a really hard uh, realm for parents to work in of of kind of incentivizing the the independence in the right way.
0: I do too, but then kids are teenagers. And that is a a real powerful force for wanting your kids to go out in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys haven't quite gotten there yet, Uh but – yeah. They want their independence and they are going to make sure that they get it. Well, you say that,
1: but there are a lot of 20-year-olds still living at home with mom and dad. And um, Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. And they're underachieving. They're not living to their potential and they're depressed and they don't know what to do themselves. Right. I had a, it's true. I had a yeah, student come in.
1: He was 22 years old. He was no longer a student. He had been all through his teenage years uh, because his parents finally stopped being willing to pay for his martial arts classes at, I don't know, 20, 21 years old or whatever, but he was still living at home. And mom and dad mm-hmm. continued to be students and so I saw him once in a while and he came in one day and I asked him what was up and this was March um and he said um you know what you know I asked him what he was doing I said oh, I'm trying to find a job because he'd been doing community college but that wasn't working out for him and he kept dropping classes halfway through every term and and he's, he's trying to find a job okay what if well this was Thursday I think it was and he said what have you done this week to get a job I said well nothing you know I haven't you no know, applications. this has been a busy week okay uh, what have you done this month? He's like, well, I did an interview or dropped off an application or whatever this month. And we kind of traced it back. And in the last three months since January 1st, uh, he had, uh, taken one interview and applied for three jobs in three months. And the rest of his life, as far as I can ascertain, was playing video games and hanging out with friends. And I, yeah. I just looked at him, I said, you're misusing the term looking for a job. Cause what you're doing is not looking for a job, What you're, you're
0: actually not looking for a job. You're yeah.
1: not looking for a job. You're playing video games and trying to get your parents off your back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it was a fun one because his mother finally got a job offer. This was in Virginia, she got a job offer in Florida, and she jumped at it. And she went down there and she got a studio apartment. And she flew back home and she said, Your father and I are moving to Florida in six months, and we're getting a studio apartment, and you can't live with us. So figure it out. Like they had finally did
0: too. Did he figure it out? It's funny because
1: he, he mostly did. He they helped him get a job and they helped him buy a car. And he went off to this small town um, because it's also uh, very expensive where we are. But he found a a town uh, an hour or two from where we're at and got a job and got a car. And then he lost the job that mom and dad had helped him get. And he totaled the car that they had. I didn't Uh, remember this
2: part of the story. And And guess what he did
1: with mom and dad, you know what? 2,000 miles away, 1,000 miles away, whatever is in Florida. You know what he did? He got another job by himself and he bought a new car.
0: All by himself. good job big boy good right? job big boy congratulations yeah,
1: mr 24 yeah. year old you know
0: hey you know what 24 is hard uh, it's hard i know I, I it's very very different and i think that we all grow we all raise our children with the anticipation that they're going to launch but you just don't know which kids you're going to get mm-hmm. i do agree though that i think that it, <sighs> video games i'm
1: so <laughs>
0: Screen time, I'm concerned. I'm concerned kids
1: too. You I'm think concerned. that we should – you say you're concerned. Do you think we should all play more video games and spend more screen time? I assume that's what you're asserting, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> I don't think we're doing anywhere near enough. Not near enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> now, I see um, you know, parents placating kids and getting them to behave as two-year-olds in the grocery store by handing them the iPad. Well, that's and not behaving.
1: That's shutting them off. That's not behaving. That's yeah, just... that's
0: shutting them down. And that's where – you know, you got to, like, seriously, it's a grocery store. You, mm-hmm. you could do so much here. There's so much material to work with. Yeah. You could be having fun. You could yeah. be having a cozy little grocery store moment.
1: You could be yes, learning about you nutrition. Could, you could be learning about yeah. social budgets. Yes, you know. that,
2: that brings yeah. me to the parents' as teachers moment, right? You're, you're completely relinquishing
0: yeah. your job. Yeah. Yes, and you could also be learning about tantrum. Like, okay, your kid goes to the grocery store and your kid throws a grand... Hissy fit every single time you go. And we've all been there. Well, guys, your kid has to learn how to function. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you need to recognize what is triggering your kid so that the grocery store freaks them out. Mm -hmm. There's something there. It's not just naughtiness. Something's going on. There's so much there. Don't just placate them with the bad. Yeah. Geez, mm-hmm. folks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to
2: say it, but I'm glad you went.
1: <laughs> we always yeah. our book doesn't <laughs> speak to screen time. We don't. That's part of our personal uh, strong feeling, but we we yeah. it's not it's not part and parcel with the message in the book, mm-hmm. and so we just kind of it's not really in there.
2: We're aware um, that there are families who seem to manage it. Effectively, I know.
0: you know, uh, there are, yeah, yeah, there are, yeah, there's no absolutes out there, right? Yeah, yeah. So, tell us more about the book, okay?
2: Um, yeah, well, as, as teachers, we are very excited about about that role and about encouraging other people to see parenting as a teacher role. Um, did you feel that way, Genie? Did you think that you know, did you enjoy the teaching aspects of raising kids?
0: Yeah, I did, but I got to say looking back that most of the teaching that got done was not the intentional learning moment stuff, mm. like, hey, kids, this is how we pick zucchini. Let's measure the zucchini. No, it wasn't that. It was other things that the kids learned. And you know, now that my kids are in there, they range 19 to 30 some, um, they look back at learning moments that, oh, yeah, really? You learned that then? Huh. I wasn't even paying attention. I think it's <laughs> it's more of the stuff that we're just doing our mm-hmm. day-to-day yeah. work that we're putting in front of us getting stuff done and the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the way that the we relate. Yeah, it's it's a lot of modeling. And it's you know, we all put on that parenting role where we're like I'm the best parent ever and I am going to model excellent calm demeanor and nutrition. <laughs> we're all doing that. But you can only maintain that Demeanor of perfect mom or dad for so long, and then it Five gets me. minutes really around has been there. my
1: personal record,
0: yeah. And then your kids know who
1: you really are, and <laughs> they know
0: who mom and dad really are. And that is the person who's actually doing
1: the teaching. Mm. Well I said. like that, yeah. I <laughs> know I don't yeah. like it, but I agree with it. <laughs> but yeah. and
2: we talked to that, right? Um, the, the book encourages intentional parenting of, yeah, don't just fly by the seat of your mm-hmm. pants, but take the time, sit down, not first by yourself. And brainstorm what it is that you really want your family to be about. You know what are your values, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need to sit down with your partner if you have a partner, and make sure that what you wrote down goes along with what they wrote down, and find and find it. And then you need to do it as a family too, you know, mm-hmm. and get and get them on board. Um, and as you parent, come up with the ways that you're going to address that. But then, like you said, there will be the the, the teaching moments that you planned. And then you have to be ready for those that just come, right? Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Like all the time, every, especially when that's for life, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Because
1: there are going to be moments that, you know, that present themselves. And if we, you know, something happened, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but something, uh, and then we want to help them understand how to interpret it. And Uh how we want to overlay our values on what happened. And then there's obviously, and so that's kind of like the outside world is driving, um, you know, what just happened. And then, um, then there's all of the things that excite them. And so they come to, they're excited about learning about something about, um, you know, something about life or whether it's, you know, anything from personal finances or, or a moral question or, you know, uh, anything along any lines and, being willing to kind of go down that rabbit hole with them and talk about those. And then obviously the, the ones that are intentional and say, you know what, I want to teach my kid about, you know, household budgets and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to sit down at the table and we're going to, you know, um, talk about this here and now. So you kind of have all of those, like the outside driven ones, the ones that are kind of driven by your, by your child's interests. And then the things that you sit down and say, I also want to make sure that this happens too. But then all of that, you know, uh, is, is layered over with what you spoke to a minute ago of like what we're modeling and what we're showing and how we're behaving and how we're responding. um, Yeah. Is, is, uh, is kind of the, the, um, what's the old saying? I wish I could remember who said it, but uh, who you are speak so loudly. I can't hear a word that you're saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that one before. Even using the word modeling to me, that means like you're putting on a little show. Oh, interesting. You're, you're acting like it, not being it. Hmm. And so I think that so much of the really hard, hard work of parenting comes from not who you're acting like, but who you actually are. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to being intentional, knowing what your values are, Um, but even more so maybe really training yourself to um, give your reactions some thought do the best you can to train yourself intentionally as a parent to not necessarily do the easiest thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to the grocery store thing. So, you know, you're going along in the grocery store and there's, there's that mom or dad who is just pissed and their kid is grabbing the sugary cereal and they are just grabbing it back and yanking it. <laughs> you're not getting that. And it goes like that. And, you know, unfortunately, they're they're like your aisle mate, you know, so, you know, like every aisle you go to. And it's just getting worse and worse. And within a minute, mom is furious and she's probably embarrassing herself. The kid is melting down. It's all going to hell in a handbasket and she still has to get dinner on the table. It's mm-hmm. not good. So we have other options. I have had kids who have thrown the grand hissy fit in the grocery store. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Oh, professional quality tantrums in the middle of the checkout aisle. And we had to, I mean, it would have been, it would have felt so good as a mom to just lay into them, you know, but what would that have taught them? What would that have done for me for that moment? And what would that have done to them? It would have humiliated them. It would have taught them that, you know, being cranky with each other when you're not feeling good about stuff is the way to be, you know, it, so be you lowering to their level, yeah, and and but actually, then what if you lowered yourself to their level and you realized, okay, it's four thirty in the afternoon, everybody's pissed off, they're freaking starving, and they saw that cereal. I mean, you know, try a little compassion. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, you pick them out of the cart and you go out to your car, and you say, "Dude, we can't be in there with you acting like that." It's a public place. Yeah. You just can't. Sorry. So we're going to sit here and hope that they don't unload our cart until you can get yourself together.
2: Right. Yeah. That's a good solution. You. Your yeah. story totally brings me back to, I think, my, my grandest failing moment of, of parenting that's similar to what you're talking about. For me, it was not the grocery store. That never really was a big deal.
0: Was it Target? It's
2: not. <laughs> an, I don't even go in there. Oh, my. Um, no, it's getting out the door on time. Oh
1: God, well, she's, the says worst. Go. she's never done it.
2: She's never done it ever. It's, ever. The, shoes. it's the shoes. It's those damn shoes. Right, right. So yeah. there was, there was the time when, you know, I didn't lower myself to their level. I just found a whole new plane of existence. I said, get in the car. Yeah. And, and the kids looked at me. No, 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 Jeannie. He laughed. They laughed. It was like, (laughs) no, I just, I have to tell you that I'm, I'm reputed as, as being the most calm person uh, Uh
1: ever. I'm so sorry. I missed
2: you. (laughs) Like this was another human. This is another, I don't know, gremlin coming out of mom's body. And they just laughed at me. I was like, all right, so this obviously isn't the right way about going this.
0: <laughs> my husband's plan. My husband is probably the calmest man in the universe. and you know, we've raised a bunch of kids, so he knows from tantrums. let me tell you. And there was one day when he had all the kids in the car and we had one daughter who um, was a magnificently picky eater. And it was one of those days where he just had to go to Taco Bell. He needed to grab a handful of burritos, feed the kids, go do the thing, do the soccer, blah, 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 blah. It's Taco Bell. So he custom orders her bean and cheese, nothing on it, practically threatens the kid who's taken the order, do not put a thing on that burrito, gets the thing. He's in the car and all of a sudden, you know, they're unwrapping their burritos and all of a sudden this howl goes up from the back seat and he's on his last nerve. They'd put onions on the burrito. Onions. <laughs> and she couldn't pull herself together. And his solution was to grab the burrito, roll down his car window, and throw it out the window. Chuck it out. <laughs> 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 and yes, he hit a car with it. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think he turned the corner real fast. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's okay. special. I know I'm not, I know. I'm not
1: sharing a story about me. And it's not because I don't have any. I'm just it's
0: because you have a parenting <laughs> book out. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. The, uh, I assume we're gonna have it. Yeah, we're out. supposed to be perfect. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. We're,
2: yeah. We're you know totally what though
0: perfect. you called yeah. it out
2: so beautifully. It's that, that I well, and Chris called it out. I, I struggle with being on time. And so they are just being exactly what I am. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you but guys. yes, we are perfect parents in that we are continuing to to forge the best we way are
1: doing for doing our yeah. best and learning yeah. and growing.
0: I yep. feel like I am doing the best with what I've got in the moment at any given time.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: hard to raise kids, especially at this time in human history. It's hard. We're facing things that no parent has ever faced before. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure. All generations have faced new things, but seriously, we are facing things that none of the humans that have ever lived on this planet ever have faced before. That's right. And we're supposed to figure this out. And the pace
1: of change is so much faster. It's
2: so fast. It's so fast.
0: Yeah. And there's so many times that as a mom, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I really don't. So you put your values on, Mm -hmm. you do the best you can in the moment with what you got, and then you Mm -hmm. do the next thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you guys, we have to wrap things up with our rapid fire questions. But before we do that, I do want to know what else you want listeners to know. You guys have a podcast too, don't you?
1: Uh, a blog for our a travels. A blog.
0: Oh, okay. 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 So where do people find you?
1: Our so blog is, can- on the to find us on the planet would be difficult because we're always moving, but on the internet, it's easy. We're at fivebackpacks.family. family. Okay. And if I can uh, do our our book website, please uh, resilienceparenting.info.
0: Okay. And where can they get the book? Amazon. Got it. All right, cool. Are you guys ready?
1: As ready as we'll ever be.
0: Okay. So I've added a, a new hard question. What role does feminism play in your life?
2: Making sure to stand up for anyone who needs to be stood up for.
0: Good answer, um, yeah. Good answer, Chris. Can you answer that one?
1: Oh shucks, she doesn't get the answer for both of us.
0: <laughs> Guys always think women do that.
1: <laughs> she answers especially, for me a lot. She answers for me a regarding lot. Regarding
0: feminism, oh
1: for sure. But but I think Holly said it well as we talk about it. We just discuss it in our book, and we spend a lot of time talking to our children about it. It's that. Um, that we want to make sure mm-hmm. that, that everybody, everybody deserves to have a chance in this life. Uh, and mm-hmm. everybody has a chance to have the same rights and the same opportunities and whether, uh, if they're ever being denied those rights because of gender or race or any other reason, uh, orientation or, or whatever, uh, that we need to stand up for them and help, uh, you know, uh, help, uh, stand up for people, you know, as part, of, it goes back to the martial arts training long before, uh, we wrote this book. Um, you learn to defend yourself so that you can defend people who can't defend themselves. And whether that's, you know, physically, you know, defending, uh, you know, a physical attacker, or whether it's uh, uh, you know, verbal or situational uh, that we want to be raising children who are, um, are standing up for, I just keep saying the same thing as <laughs> standing up for people. You're doing it. You
0: did it. That was a really good answer. That was a good answer. And I like that you wrapped it back up with um, martial arts. Okay. Next one is this. How do you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that.
1: Nobody ever told me that raising kids would be so much fun.
0: That's a good one. Yeah, they tell you that it's hard. It's hard. I I've said that twice or two or three times just in this conversation. It is seriously fun, though, isn't it? It's oh, it's so is. much fun. Oh my god, it's fun. Yeah.
1: I went to my I went to my mother um, when our, I think our firstborn child was maybe six months old or whatever. This cute little bundle of joy, and I. But it was a lot of work, and I I went to my mother and I said you know, I never realized how hard this was. I never realized how, you know, how much, uh, you know, what you did. And I, and I said, I just want to thank you for, you know, everything you did for me, all of those. And, and she looked at me and she said, oh, nonsense. It was a joy. And, uh, and he's your joy now, you know, mm-hmm. have, have a good time. Like she just was the sweetest thing she ever said. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. she didn't, she didn't dispute the fact that it was a lot of work, but she's, you know, not a moment's hesitation. I know. No, so much no fun. it was good stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. What's your answer, Holly? Nobody ever told me that
2: uh, miscarriages are so common and that getting pregnant can be really hard.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That sounds like a whole nother conversation, but that's a good one. Yeah. Miscarriages happen in about 20% of pregnancies and getting pregnant can be really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you then is this. Where are you in the world of parenthood?
1: We are white. (laughs) Great
2: place. (laughs) <laughs> okay what did you say Chris
1: we're white belts <laughs> okay. but that means we're open to learning and getting better and growing
0: all right good yeah, yeah and I just Will feel you guys, like this is... I, I feel
2: Go like we're ahead. in a great place honestly that I love these kids I love our relationship with them um I know that we're perfect only and that we're imperfect but I do feel like they can tell me anything they need to tell me and I appreciate that
0: All right. That's a nice spot in the world to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I hope everybody goes and picks up a copy of the book. And it's been real fun to talk to you. Next time we talk, you'll be in some other part of
1: the world. Indeed. Likewise. Thank Thank you, you, Jeannie.
0: I I do really hope that book is
2: helpful to at least one other person on the planet. And we'll know that it's uh, time well spent. We really enjoyed
0: writing it.
1: I hope it's helpful to more than one person.
0: I hope it's I hope that it's helpful to like, you know, all of the four million babies that are gonna be born this year and their parents.
1: Yeah. Good call. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Bye bye. Safe Thank travels you. to you too. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be
1: days like this, Mama said,
0: Mama said. That's it for this week's this week, everybody. You can find resilience parenting at Amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles, and wherever you get your books. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. email me jean at jeanfaulkner.com, find me on Instagram at Common Sense Pregnancy, we're on Twitter at jean Faulkner, and we're over on Facebook too, Common Sense Pregnancy. You can find my book, Moms SOS, on my website, jeanfaulkner.com, along with that mighty cute little cup of ours. Go check out our shop on the site and start writing your own pregnancy story while sipping a cup of common sense. Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. If you're looking for easy ways to feed your family, I've got you covered. Hi, this is Liz Weiss, dietitian, mom, cookbook author, and host of the Liz's Healthy Table podcast. Tune in for healthy recipes, expert advice, and a big helping of fun. Come find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Parents on Demand Network, or over at my website, Liz'sHealthyTable.com.